Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 899 with Kelly Valentine. When you think about who can do a pop-up, it's really anyone. It's like, it's just really like, what's your motivation to do it? Are you trying to reach more people? Are you trying to build your brand? Are you trying to just collaborate and have fun and do something that sounds fun? Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Today's episode is brought to you by Margin Edge. With Margin Edge, you can track food and labor costs in real time so you can make informed decisions in the moment. And who likes data entry? No one. So you'll be thrilled to hear that there's no more data entry with Margin Edge. They will save your team hours and paperwork by automating your invoice processing with line item detail. Don't worry about tech integration either because Margin Edge allows you to seamlessly connect your POS and accounting systems and get a daily P&L. And on top of all of this, Margin Edge enables you to digitally manage your inventory and recipes. Plus, you can compare actual costs versus theoretical costs. Head to marginedge.com slash unstoppable to sign up for a free demo. And when you use that link, you can try Margin Edge for free for 30 days. No contract, no setup fee. Plus, you'll get free unlimited training and support. That's marginedge.com slash unstoppable. Today's episode is brought to you by Diageo Bar Academy, a company you've been hearing me reference a lot on the show lately, and that's because they're awesome. And I want to make sure you know about some new e-learning courses they have available right now. Diageo Bar Academy is always free with tons of resources that can help you build your skills at your own pace and at any level. So these courses I'm talking about, like the two courses on beer category and Guinness Essentials, just in time for St. Patrick's Day, you'll learn all there is to know about Guinness history and heritage and how you can serve a beautiful, great quality, great tasting pint every time. Learn about different beer styles and even how to enhance your guest food experience with pairings. Or if your restaurant leans more towards the spirits, then make sure you take the interactive course on spirits and food pairings. Knowing what cocktails to recommend for different moments of your guest meal can elevate their dining experience and help you improve your check averages. To learn more about what Diageo Bar Academy has to offer to grow your career, visit www.diageobaracademy.com. That's D-I-A-G-E-O baracademy.com. Become a member and be sure to opt into the newsletter today. It's completely free and you will be amazed at all they have to offer. That's D-I-A-G-E-O baracademy.com. Now, I know you know about Plate IQ, but do you know about Plate IQ's new spend management feature? Okay, let me tell you about it. Plate IQ now offers a new spend management feature, which allows you to issue virtual or physical cards directly with Play IQ card. With Play IQ card, there's no credit check, no minimum bank balance, and no personal guarantee required. This feature is great for small restaurants who want to eliminate expense reporting for their employees, but cannot get a corporate credit card issued easily. And I've got to tell you that with Plate IQ card, you can get up to 1% cash back. And you cannot forget that Plate IQ still offers bill pay, incredible insights, and custom approval workflows. To learn more, head to plateiq.com slash unstoppable. And when you use that link, you can save 25% off implementation. 
With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, founder of Fems in Food, Kelly Valentine. Kelly, are you feeling unstoppable today? <laughs> yes, I actually am feeling unstoppable today. Thank you for asking. Just today, not usually? Not usually. If you'd asked me <laughs> yesterday the same time, I might not have had the same answer. But today, I'm feeling I'm back. Today, I'm, I'm happy I have you on, a, on an unstoppable day. And yeah. I cannot wait to dive into what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, we're going to be discussing pop-ups. And you came on my radar by way of Dina Sampson uh, when we were out in California. I told her I was going to Iowa. And I was like, I need some ladies to make an example of. She said, you got to connect with Kelly. She knows all the ladies in Iowa. You helped me connect with Steph Sellers, who had amazing things to say about you in her interview that I was like, ah, now I got to get Kelly on the show. And now <laughs> here you are uh, when we connected and you said, you know, I gave you the option to kind of pitch me what you would like to talk about. You said pop-ups and uh, we're going to go deep into pop-ups. Who needs to be doing pop-ups, how to do a pop-up and how to use a pop-up to test and grow and launch your brand. But before we dive into that, let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quarter mantra what do you got for us so um i do have a little bit of both so i'll make them fast but my uh, my kind of life quote not just for success is be kind for everyone you meet is fighting a battle you know nothing about um and then my mantra is i can do hard things um i think sometimes it's um that's a good just reminder when things get really really hard to just remind myself that, yep, that's okay. They can be hard, but I can still do hard things. And you reminded me of Eric Shoemaker, who was one of our Iowa city interviews, uh, 50 hop. Uh, he, his episode hasn't gone live yet, but he said something very similar along the lines of, you know, when you open a restaurant, if you have big audacious goals and big dreams to scale a big concept, it's scary, but it's it's not as hard as you think. You can do hard things. It's kind of the the, yep. the 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 root of that message he was trying to deliver. And honestly, I'm trying to do some hard things right now <laughs> with trying to scale a restaurant unstoppable. So this is the yep. kind of stuff I need to hear right now. So thank you yeah, very right. much. Yeah. So let's just get into it. Um, tell me a little bit more about who you are and how you got to become an expert in pop-ups. Sure. So <clears throat> I started kind of my culinary career as a waitress. Um, and so I kind of cut my teeth in that corner, but I was very lucky and I always was around um, extremely talented chefs and teams. So I spent five years at Jose Andres first restaurant in Los Angeles called the bazaar, wow. which was the first uh, tapas restaurant in LA when it launched. Um, and so just being around him and his genius and his team that he surrounds himself with, really helped me realize like that culinary and food could be more of a career direction for me. And that's relevant because I knew I didn't want to be a restaurant manager when I left there. Um, Cause a lot of the restaurant managers I knew were pretty unhappy. And so not just because of their, just, I think in general restaurant managers, it's tough. That's a tough job. Um, but for me, I knew I wanted to stick to culinary, but I didn't want to stay tied to an individual restaurant. So I started doing pop-ups and so I worked for a company at the time that was a membership-based pop-up dining club that was called Dinner Lab. And they were from New Orleans. Um, they launched in New Orleans and it was communal dining with strangers at these ticketed events, a different chef in different location every time. And so I launched their fifth market, which was in Los Angeles, which is where I was based at the time. So we did a pop-up dinner for... 25 to, uh, no, we do pop-up just for 75 to 150 people every single week 
for two and a half years. And then I did that for, and 12 other cities as well. So that's where I really cut my teeth on the rinse and repeat of the production side, the execution side, the marketing side, the hospitality side of entertaining our members. Um, so I got really, really good at, um, at that, the operational piece and execution of things. And when were you doing this? The, the pop-up, um, was it called dinner lab? You called it? Yeah. It's called dinner lab. It's the name of the company. And yeah. When, when was this taking place? This would have been, oh my goodness, probably 2013 to 2015, 16. Wow. Somewhere and, in there. And, um, Paint a picture of what these pop-ups were like. Were they, sure. where were you doing these pop-ups? Would you have one location or would you go? No, that was what was kind of the unique selling proposition was that we would go to like kind of an empty warehouse and we would build out a kitchen, bring in tables, cover them and do a five to seven coursed out meal. So it was dinner labs. That was the brand and they were yep. partnering different chefs with, with different chefs. So like, how, how do you go about setting? Cause this isn't your traditional pop-up, is it? No. Um, I, I think pop-up is really kind of, it, there's different sides of pop-up. Is right? there a, a traditional different. pop-up yet? Is it still so? <laughs> it's, it's ever evolving. Yeah. Um, I think there's like a seated dinner pop-up and then there's also like a casual, more fast casual pop-up of like someone that has like breakfast taco concept and they pop up at a, you know, coffee shop. Yeah. So there, there's, there's kind of two levels. I think it's more like fine dining or more casual. Yeah. Um, but this one was more fine dining ish. I mean, you can only do so much fine dining when you're in a warehouse, you know, on a kitchen that's been built. So when, when I think of pop-up, I, and I, I don't know, maybe the listeners or I think there might be different visions of what a pop-up is. I sure. think of going to a restaurant during off hours, maybe on a Monday when they're closed yep. and using that physical space to yep. put, your passion or to show off what you're trying to do at any moment. I think that's the most probably, uh, I don't know, common idea of what a pop-up is. Then we also have somebody like Steph sellers who was doing pop-ups with their cookies, but what explain what that kind of pop-up was. So I think it's, I think there's both. So there's definitely been a huge trend for um, chefs to collaborate with their chef friends who have restaurants. If you said that are closed on a Monday night or, you know, off whatever off hours they have. And then they kind of like rent it out or loan it out to do a a pop-up with a different chef, right. Or a collaboration with another chef. So that's like one Avenue. Then there's like these pop-up dinners that are completely like outstanding in the field, right. Where they're bringing a table into farmland and bringing in a chef who curates a whole dining experience for that. Then there is like the breakfast taco pop-up or breakfast burrito pop-up that, you know, shows up at a coffee shop, you know, a couple of days a week. Then there's also like for cookies and dreams, which you're talking about is we would partner with um, like a bar and do like cookies and cocktails. So we would go with our cookies. They would have cocktails. We would design our cookies to match their their cocktails, and it would be whole an experience in that way. Yeah, but I think even if, if you have a product like cookies, like Steph Sellers and Cookies and Dreams has, like she can go cook those cookies in her commissary or wherever she's cooking, yep. have all the, the 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 that done, and then bring the product to say yep. a hair salon or a barbershop or like, well, any of these any of these retail stores. Like that's another version of a pop up is collaborating yep. with popular brands that aren't food and beverage and just yep. hitching your bandwagon. So there's a million, I guess that what I'm trying to point out is like, don't put yourself into a box. Don't put yourself in like, it's literally whatever you want to be. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. And I think that's, what's exciting about pop-ups. Yeah. Like there's, you know, 
when you think about who can do a pop-up, it's really anyone. It's like, it's just really like, what's your motivation to do it? Are you trying to reach more people? Are you trying to build your brand? Are you trying to just collaborate and have fun and do something that sounds fun? So back to your story in dinner lab mm-hmm. pop-ups, what was your motivation? Um, so we had members that we were, you know, that were paying to be a, a yearly membership to come to these type of dining experiences. And so my personal motivation was obviously to make them happy, but also Personally, there's to me, there's no greater magic um, than sitting down a bunch of strangers at a table and feeding them the exact same meal. So when you're sitting across the table from someone that you don't know, but you're eating the exact same item, um, there's a natural connection that happens, right? You're going to see their face while they're trying the same dish that you just bit into. There's this kind of whole unspoken barriers that kind of just fall down because you get lost in the food and the experience. And so I was always just enthralled with how people started the dinner and how they left. They would always start a little bit, you know, tense and like what's happening and a little uncomfortable and then have a few drinks, you'd have some food. And by the end, like people were exchanging business cards and phone numbers and showing photos of their kids and their dogs and, you know, making plans to have another dinner experience with that same group, you know? So that's what was my, that's what got me on pop-up dining. When it comes to pop-ups, what is it that excites you about them? What is like the, I guess, what, why did you choose this topic that, (laughs) that you thought you needed to deliver? I think there's a lot of potential. And I think that people are very excited about the idea of pop-ups and sometimes forget about the kind of execution and operational, like how to really make it, sticky for people um, in terms of who you're trying to reach so that you can build, you know, more of a following. You can get more eyes on what you're doing. It's a really great way to test out new menu items, new ideas, new concepts. So I really think that, you know, if you think about it, most people at the kind of the, the previous iteration of opening a restaurant was you have like hopefully a great chef and they just make a menu, they make a little concept, they open their doors and you're not testing out that concept ahead of time. It's not a proven concept. You're kind of just, that's the risk. The reason I like pop-ups um, is one, you get this instant feedback when you are, let's say you're doing a dinner for 15 people of your new menu or concept that you're thinking about opening for a restaurant. Well, generally in that scenario, as a chef, you can come in, put all of these things together and you have all these ideas figured out. But when you see people, you can sit there and watch people in an intimate setting, eat your food and taste it. You can see the plates that come back to the dish pit. You know, what are they leaving on the table? What are they leaving on the plate? What are they pushing aside? What are they eating around? Like there's like, you don't get that type of like focus group study on what you're doing um, in such a focused way without doing something like this. Yeah. The thing that excites me the most about pop-ups is how inexpensive they are. Yeah. It's low risk. Yeah. Low risk, low overhead. All it really takes is a network of people that want to see you become successful. You know, if yeah. you have, if you have a network, if you've been somebody who's been in the industry for 10 years, you know, working, um, like developing a good reputation for yourself and just be going to network events and meeting people. This is in my opinion, the best way for anybody to start. And yeah. I think a lot of people think food trucks or for some reason are the best way to get into it. Yeah. And you and I have talked about this a bit. Yeah. We talked a little about, about this and why, why we think we're going to get into all the details of who should be doing pop-ups and how to do pop-ups. Uh, but really the thing that excites me about this is literally all you need is a friend. 
to do a pop-up, somebody who has a space, who wants to see you be successful, leverage your network and get out there and, and just start and hitching your bit. And I think the other big thing too, is if you can go to a restaurant that's popular and you can get somebody to back you, not necessarily fun, like, like not uh, financially, but like just to let you use their space, you're going to get access to all the people that follow this person too. Right. So I think we're going to get into this. I might be getting a little bit ahead of you, uh, but we're going to take a quick break. (laughs) We're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors and we'll be right back to kind of dive into who needs to be doing pop-ups. Today's episode is brought to you by MarginEdge, a software platform for restaurant people by restaurant people. To be successful in the modern age, you need to be efficient by streamlining your processes and creating automation. Simply put, MarginEdge means data streamlined and insights automated. With MarginEdge, you can track food and labor costs in real time so you can make informed decisions in the moment. And who likes data entry? No one. So you'll be thrilled to hear that there's no more data entry with margin edge. They will save your team hours and paperwork by automating your invoice processing with line item detail. Don't worry about the integration either because margin edge allows you to seamlessly connect your POS and accounting systems and get a daily P and L on top of all of this margin edge enables you to digitally manage your inventory and recipes. Plus you can compare actual cost versus theoretical cost. Find out why over 3,100 restaurants are thrilled to be using Margin Edge. Head to marginedge.com slash unstoppable to sign up for your free demo. And when you use that link, you can try Margin Edge for free for 30 days. There's no contract. There's no setup fee. Plus, you get free unlimited training and support. That's marginedge.com slash unstoppable. One more time, marginedge.com slash unstoppable. We are back and let's just get right into it. Who, in your opinion, needs to be doing pop-ups? So I would say anybody that, especially, you know, in a post or I said still kind of slightly post-pandemic era, um, you know, where everyone I think is a little trepidatious about opening a new brick and mortar or investing in that um, or even a food truck. I think it's so anyone that's in considering a new concept, say they have like, you know what, I've got this amazing breakfast burrito. I've been stuck on breakfast today. Breakfast burrito concept, or I have this great um, French toast concept that I want to, you know, that I think it's just going to go gangbusters. And it's like, great. Well, why don't you start with a pop-up? Um, like you said, it's the the low risk avenue to go um, rather than being like, all right, I'm going all in. I'm getting a food truck. I'm going to get lease this space and just see what happens. And it's like, no, 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 no. Let's, you know, let's build a following. And so that way, when you do, hopefully if everything does go as gangbusters as you think it's going to, then when you finally open your brick and mortar doors, you have already have an established network of people that know and love and will support your brand because they've been trying it for months or for a year. Yeah. Um, so I think that's, that's, that's someone to so anyone who's considering a food truck, anyone that's considering a brick and mortar, any chef that is wanting to test out a new, say they've always done, I don't know, Spanish restaurants. And now they've been, you know, going to Japan and they want to do this whole different concept and like, well, that's a little bit 360 degree. Let's like test it out, like start yeah. doing some small dinners. So what happens before doing the pop-up? What things should be in place before I even go start the process of approaching people to do a pop-up? One, you got to have an idea of what your menu or what you're serving. So if you don't have that like key item, um, I think it was brioche, like French toast was one or brick. It's called brick. I think it's B-R-I-Q-U-E. 
was this concept that was launched in LA and it's just this amazing, like super thick French toast. And that's really like all they serve, but they, the sauces that go on top of it are like locked in and loaded. They're amazing. It's like the rocks private chef came up with this concept that she's been doing. And now it's gangbusters, right? So she had something very specific. And even though it was like one thing, she knew it was going to just kill and crush. So and that one thing it. was toast. Yeah. Yeah. I've it's seen somebody good. else do this too with like the, the sourdough, like, you know, like crazy. Really thick. Yeah. 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 Uh, but really it's just a, a vehicle to move food. It, the, it, that is the vehicle of the toast. Right. But yeah, I mean, I think a little bit, sometimes it depends. Like it's, you can, you can build out from there. Right. That's like their key thing. The toppings change, the sauces change, which they make all in house too. Um, but it's just something really great to build upon. It's very clear and decisive what they're what they're doing. So the first thing that you, that you need to do is you need to have your shtick, or you need to know what you're going to be serving. Your idea, or your yeah, your menu, your concept, your your ingredients, whatever it is like that you want to highlight, you need to have that locked in first. So when you say concept, are you saying like the name of your restaurant? Yep. Okay. Yeah, I mean that's what I say. Or if like some people say like I don't know what it is yet, and this is concept I'm working on, right? Um, so I've even had, um, I have a really good chef friend in LA who used to do pop-ups called on the lamb and they were just his way of like testing out kind of whatever wild ideas he had, but it still was branded. So it still had like any, and all his meals had this really great, like Pacific Northwestern vibe to them. So it'd be like lots of fish, lots of smoked stuff. Like, so it still had its own brand in that. So I'd say like, yeah, you got to know what you, the what is like, what are you serving? What are you going to be selling to people um, in terms of food or an experience or anything in that realm? And then you have to brand it. So give me, let's really paint a picture of what it means to be branded for people who are like, oh, is that just a logo? Is that all that is? <laughs> um, it is. I think a, lo- a logo is a piece of your brand. Um, for me, it's the name. I think the name really is what everything else comes from. Um, so for instance, I always say like you wouldn't, I used to, again, interview a lot of chefs to do pop-ups for the company I worked for after dinner lab. Um, and so a lot of chefs would come and they're like, you know, I don't want to pigeonhole myself and, and be in a box in terms of what I want, what kind of food I want to do. And I'm like, I totally get that, but you have to knock it out of the park in some respect first. And then you can kind of do whatever you want. Like if you even look at Jose Andreas, it's one of the biggest chefs in the entire world. You know, he started with tapas, but now he has a Greek restaurant. He has, you know, other style of food that normally he wouldn't have been able to launch with. But he proved he proved himself with tapas, and then people like Ray. I thought you said topless the first time when you mentioned it. I was like, "Well, I didn't know he was into <laughs> that." That would be uh, that'd be interesting. Topless, <laughs> I figured topless. It out. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, so I think I think it's like not being afraid to pick a direction and and then brand it. So I would work with different chefs on. Um, we had, we had a husband and wife team that came in, uh, he was Italian, she was Mexican and they would do these kind of blends of Italian Mexican meals that were delicious and, but they couldn't figure out a name. And so, because they were also business partners and life partners, I was like, well, how about you call it Amiga, Amiga Amore. So it's friend and lover, you know, and it ties both Yeah, and it just nails it. Right. That's yeah. there than factor. So things to start with, make sure you know what you're going to cook, make sure you have brand, you're, you know, you're aware of what your brand is going to be. Uh, and that's name, that's colors, that's logos. Where does this stuff live? 
So I'm a really big fan. What's what's been amazing over the last couple of years, it's a lot easier to do graphic design for people that aren't graphic designers. Um, I'm a really big fan of uh, Canva because you can go in there and make flyers for what you're doing. You can make Instagram templates. You can make a logo. You don't. They give Um, you the template. All you do is like fill it in. Exactly. Even if you're even if you're like don't have an eye for design, like they get you started and they give you the the framework and then you kind of just round it off with your brand and colors. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think like that's, that's a really great tool that people can easily use. And if you just, if you only have a logo and like, that's like it, like that's still a really, really good start. So what about, um, so we have the brand, we haven't even done the pop-up yet. We know what we're going to be cooking. We know what our logo is going to be. We know what our color is going to be. We know uh, the name of the restaurant, uh, or the concept at least, cause it's not mm-hmm. a restaurant yet. Uh, once we have all this stuff, do you, how far should we take it as far as where this stuff should live? Should it, should we have a website at this point? Should we have a domain name? No, no? Okay. I don't, I don't, I actually don't think you should like, unless like you are, unless your concept is completely, I would say not at first, because I think that comes, I think sometimes you may get into it a few pop-ups and be like, actually I need to tweak some of this, or this isn't, this isn't resonating with people. Like something's off. Um, so I'm, I am just a fan of like, once you get that right, you know, your brand's not going to change. The first thing I would do is just get an Instagram handle because that's such a great way to just, it's something you can update. If you do change anything, you have it and you can be like, you know, we were this now we're this. Say you move into a, you launch another pop-up or you launch another brick and mortar. You can still say, you know, you can still list all that. It's a home base for you that is not tied to that. Um, so I would say that's the, your, your bare minimum is to have that to promote what you're doing. And yeah. so people can find out when your next event is where you're popping up to Got your it. menu. Yeah. And um, I mean, when I have this conversation with people, I, what are your thoughts? I always like to put emphasis on building a list. So yep. what are your thoughts on, should you start building a list from day one? I would say yes. How I would do that. And this is how I've done it before is, you know, it's also like pen to paper. I know it's really old school, but there's absolutely nothing wrong with if you host a dinner, let's say a dinner or you do a pop-up and you're like, you have a little clipboard there. You have a sign-up sheet. If you want to stay in the, in the know about our next pop-up, give us your email. Yeah. And just like, what I've seen people do when I go to pop-ups, they literally have a clipboard. They pass around the table with a pen yep. and clipboard and they just say name, name and phone number and email. Um, yep. And they, I mean, the thing is, you've got to start building an audience, a tribe. So once they try you, you have to keep that channel of communication open. So they know how, so when you do build a website, they know what the .com is and they can go subscribe to your. And I'm also a fan in that same vein of, of getting a, um, getting a business card. It's pretty simple these days. Again, once you get that logo so that you have something you can direct people to in terms of, even if it's just like an Instagram card, like here's our Instagram handle, here's our email. Um, one, that's just a way, like if you're trying to do pop-ups and you want, maybe someone wants to book you for a private event, you know, how are they going to get in touch with you? Yeah. Um, I think it also just makes people look polished and like serious about what they're doing. So I think it's also a good, a good reason to do it that way. So once we have our brand established, we know what we're going to cook. We're prepared to start, you know, uh, documenting contact information and things like that. What's the next step? Um, I see finding is the where, right? So it's, there's kind of like a who, what, where kind of happening here. Um, and I think the where, right? Like, is this a, do you need a commissary kitchen to create something? Do you need just a coffee shop that will can partner with you? Um, 
And if you do need to do this at someone's house in their backyard, and what do you need to do that? Um, the where kind of designs a ton, right? It's going to, that's going to be your, what everything else is based on. If you're going to need to do any rentals, if you're going to need to borrow, you know, chairs, if you're going to need to have a space that has shares because you don't want to spend money on rentals. So there's a lot to kind of, you know, the better that you can find a space that has everything that you need, the better. Um, so that you don't have to worry about those costs, especially to start. Yeah. So, um, what about approaching people? I mean, how do you go about approaching people? What's your advice? If you're I mean, gonna, I o- always go to your network first. Somebody always knows somebody. Um, and I'm, I'm a fan of, you know, it, it sounds so trite, but I'm a fan of just talking about what you're trying to do. And like the more people that you tell, the more people just know that. And you never know who's going to be like, oh, actually, you know what? My buddy just opened a coffee shop and he's looking for people to come do pop-ups. I'll put you in contact with them. I think just kind of putting the word out that you're looking for something like that, you'd be surprised at who in your network could be like, oh, or they'll just be like, hey, there's a new coffee shop or there's a new restaurant that I saw that they're closed two days a week. I mean, you should just reach out to them. If you don't already have an established network, most of the chefs or people, food people I know, like have some sort of established base that they can go to. But if you're like, say, new to a city or you're, you know, kind of establishing, there's been a lot of post pandemic moves and migrations, um, you know, reach out and just kind of walk into people and just say, Hey, I'm interested in doing this. Got it. So I think, I mean, I'm, I'm tempted to start getting any, anything else that we haven't touched on that happens before you actually do your pop-up. Um, I would say pricing is another thing. Um, it depends again, like, are you doing a five course seated dinner? Uh, and what is the price per head that you want to charge people for that? Or are you doing, like I said, a, you know, you're selling only four types of, tacos what is the pricing on each of those tacos to make it make sense um so i think yeah you definitely need to have that figured out as well are you trying to be profitable here is that a goal um i would say yes i would say always i mean like we talked about and i haven't read the book that you recommended yet but profit first like yes i would always try and build that in yeah um but i also say like you're gonna have so many upfront costs initially just from marketing materials or printing out stuff like stuff that maybe won't, it always won't be that cost won't be there every time, but it'll be there the first time. So the first time you do a pop-up, if you make money, it's a miracle. Um, so either you're charging really, you know, high end stuff and that's great. Um, but, or you're, you know, just doing it yourself with no help in terms of, you know, a sous chef or, or kind of any kitchen help. Um, so I wouldn't expect, I wouldn't be disheartened about not making money on your first one to three pop-ups, depending yeah. on what you're doing. Cause you're going to be figuring a lot out, but it's yeah. the best way to do it. Yep. I think that's a good spot to take our second break to thank our sponsors. And we'll be right back to kind of start unpackaging. Okay. So you have everything that we discussed lined up. Now you're headed out. You're going to do your first pop-up. What happens? This episode is brought to you by Diageo Bar Academy, and you've been hearing me talk about Diageo Bar Academy on my podcast for some time now. Uh, Diageo Bar Academy is a totally free resource for bartenders, bar managers, and those in the hospitality industry. Today, I want to tell you about some of these amazing new e-learning courses they have available right now. And again, a reminder, Diageo Bar Academy is always free with tons of resources that help you build your skills at your own pace and at any level. So back to these courses, like the two courses on beer category and Guinness Essentials, just in time for St. Patrick's Day too. You'll learn all there is to know about Guinness history and heritage and how you can serve a beautiful, great quality, great tasting pint every 
every time. Learn about different beer styles and even how to enhance your guest food experience with pairings. Or if your restaurant's more geared towards the booze, if you want to learn more about balancing flavors with spirits in food pairings, take the interactive course Spirits in Food Pairings. Knowing what cocktails to recommend for different moments of your guest meal can elevate the dining experience and help your check average. Diageo Bar Academy online courses offer real-life skills to help you grow in your career. They are always free, interactive, and each e-learning course takes less than 30 minutes. And you receive a certificate upon completion, which you can view on your profile at any time. To learn more about what Diageo Bar Academy has to offer to grow your career, visit www.diageobaracademy.com. That's D-I-A-G-E-O baracademy.com. Become a member and be sure to opt into the newsletter today. It's completely free and you will be amazed at all they have to offer. That's D-I-A-G-E-O baracademy.com. Dot com. Find out why past guests like Tender Greens and Kava are using Play IQ for their accounts payable automation and expense management solution. Yes, you heard me right. Play IQ now offers a new spend management feature, which allows you to issue virtual or physical cards directly with Play IQ card. With Play IQ card, there is no credit card check, no minimum balance, and no personal guarantee required. This feature is great for small restaurants who want to eliminate expense reporting for their employees, but cannot get a corporate credit card easily. And I've got to let you know that with Play IQ card, you can get up to 1% cash back. That's pretty great. Now, I've told you what's new with Play IQ, but you can't forget about all the other features you get with Play IQ, like bill pay and incredible insights and approval of hierarchies. With bill pay, you can seamlessly flow from invoice upload to paying your bill, and this is all happening online, so no more paper checks. Play IQ bill pay lets you see what's due when, and you can pay by check, ACH, or Play IQ card. Also, with Play IQ Bill Pay, you can say goodbye to escrow. That's right, no more flow. In other words, no money leaves your account until it's received by the vendor. We've got to talk about Play IQ Insights too, because I mean, insights are so important. There's insights to allow you to compare spend by item, vendor, time, period, and location. Man, I love some insights. You can even set alerts. For example, if a price goes outside your agreed contract terms, boom, you get an alert. And then lastly, there's Play IQ custom approval workflows. Only see the invoices you need to, no more duplications of efforts, and no more hunting down approvers. To learn more, head to www.playiq.com slash unstoppable. And when you use that link, save 25% off implementation. All right, we're back. We covered a lot. Um, so we haven't really gotten into the point where we're actually going to the restaurants. We're doing our first pop-up. Like, what has to happen? Like, what do we need to, to absolutely need? Other than the obvious stuff, we talked about the brand. We talked about knowing what we're going to serve. What about legalities? Are there legal things that we need to consider? There definitely are. Um, the good and the bad news is that it's very gray. In terms of for now, um, in terms of pop ups, it always has been um, since the first day I ever did a pop up till now. Um, each state and each county in each state is completely different. 
Um, there's, there is a, it depends too, if you're, if you're doing a pub up in an established like coffee shop, that's already like a branded like business with all their stuff, you're going to be selling kind of under them. And that's part of them bringing you in. So there's some, how does that work exactly? So like if they mm-hmm. have a business license, um, and you're cooking in their if space, you're just serving food. It's almost like they are bringing you it. And again, it totally depends on which state you're in, what County, cause everyone's different. Um, but it depends on if normally they're basically saying like, here's an, it's almost kind of like wholesale where they would bring you in and say, okay, great. You're kind of like under our umbrella of, of doing things. There is some, you can easily get um, event insurance, which you can find online, which I would recommend if you're doing something outside. Is there a a website that does events insurance? Well, you know what, if you, I think events helper is one that I've heard Eventhelper.com. You can get that for weddings, caterings, all kinds of events. It's very simple to use. um, And they are really great at leading you through the process. So if you're like, I've never gotten an insurance certificate before, like I don't even know what I need they will really guide you through the process and tell you, they'll ask you how many people are you planning for? Are you said indoors or outdoors? Are you serving alcohol? So they really nail it down so that you know that you're covered. And that sometimes that's anywhere from I'd say 50 to 150 bucks, depending on the size of your event. Okay. Per event or per, per event. Year? Cause it's based on okay. a, the day that you're doing the event. Got it. Uh, so I had another question. Uh, you were talking about legalities. Yeah. So if you're coming in and you're working underneath the, um, I guess legal confines or like you're using their permits or licensing of the restaurant you're going into to do your pop-up. What about when it comes to tax season? Am I like, is it going through that restaurant? Is that restaurant paying me? What's the best way to set that up as far as the only thing is, unless they are, there are some, I've seen some pop-ups where the restaurant sells the tickets to that event even though it's like another chef that's coming in. So if the restaurant itself has like an event right and they're selling the tickets, then, then that's where taxes would come into play and they would you know divide that accordingly. But normally um, everything is going to be run through, let's say if you're doing your own, let's say seated 17 person dinner and you sell tickets to it through Eventbrite or through whatever ticketing platform that you choose that's going to all be attached to you. So the taxes are all going to come to you. That's all going to be under your umbrella of your brand. Um, so however you're co- that collecting would go straight into you and then you would be dispersing it to your sous chef, to whoever you need to pay out as well. Um, so it, de- it just depends on your setup. Um, so you should be a business entity by this point. If you're collecting payment, you can, you're naturally one under your name when you first start. Um, if you, if you like, basically it's just like a consultant as well. Like you are your name and you can do business under your name. Meaning your social security number. Yep. Mm -hmm. So you already have that up to a certain, I think it's $500. Say it again. I think it's in New Hampshire. I think it's $500. It depends on how much I, that's on the low side. Um, I've seen it up to even like three to $5,000. Okay. So I think in some of, and sometimes you don't really have to really get LLC or incorporated until you're into like the forty fifty thousand dollars. So it depends. Okay. I would say like you know the first couple ones you're 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 learning um, and you're checking out your states to see what you know what is the protocol for individually like where you're at. But it's again, it's such a gray area in terms of like health department and you know where you're, <laughs> what you're doing in terms of that stuff is still very gray. So as far as Eventbrite goes, is that 
what you would recommend going to eventbrite.com? Um, you know, not necessarily. There's so many sites that have kind of come into the space um, to compete with them. I mean, there's even like talk would do pop-up dinners and stuff I was curious, like that. Cause I know they're a ticketed platform. I love talk. Yeah. I've had them on the show. Yeah, yeah. And I love talk to you, you know, because they're calling their restaurant people that started that. We've talked about that too. Um, so I think it depends. I think Eventbrite's an easy platform. It's very user friendly to use, but I'd also say it depends on, again, like who are you trying to reach? If you have no following whatsoever and you just need to reach who and whoever, Eventbrite is a great route to go because they will, they will do the marketing for you. They will target people that are like, hey, I'm looking for a dining experience in New Hampshire. And they will serve people your stuff without you doing anything. Where talk is going to be a very focused user that's looking for culinary experiences at a certain you know caliber. They're not looking for newbies that are just starting out necessarily. Um, but there is some of that. So I think it just depends on who you're trying to get to and how much of a following you already have. Got it. So uh, back to the idea of the actual menu, right? When we're starting, uh, you said you have to know what you're going to cook, but can you get into specifics about like what works best with pop-ups as far as how big the menu is? Um, yeah, I would say, again, this is where my, another mantra comes in where I, I call it um, keep it simple, silly instead of stupid. But, um, but yeah, it's like, it's just like the, yeah, the kiss process of, you know, especially when you're doing things with food for the first time, I, nobody needs, you know, a cheesecake factory menu. Like we need, you need it to be very streamlined and very locked in. And I feel like, again, that's going to allow you to get feedback, iterate, make small improvements and, and be very focused on what you're doing and what you're presenting to people. Yeah. Um, so I think even that's a lesson that we're learning. It goes beyond pop-ups as far as how do you create a, a restaurant today that is profitable? Yeah. You can't be everything to everybody. You can't, it's nope. it, it, the, the restaurants that are profitable today do one thing really well. And I know there's a lot of people are that like push back on that and they say, do we really want to become this, the sea of fast, casual, small menus? Yep. I'm like, I mean, if you want to make money and not be a slave to your business, I, th- I feel like that's the way to, to go because you can create systems around that. So you yep. can start it from where I'm going with this is you can start it from day one being simple, stupid and keep it that way. You know, yeah. um, create a brand. If you want to do something else, create a whole nother brand yeah. and then do that. Keep that simple brand. too. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so what haven't we discussed as far as going into the first day? We talked about the menu, keeping it simple. We talked about how to collect payment. Um, we talked about how to reach out to people. It's- I think we haven't, I think we haven't touched on marketing. Okay. I think it's kind of like, how do you like, great. You're like, I have this great idea. I want to do a five course pop-up dinner in the field somewhere. I'm going to charge $75 for it. Um, how do I tell people about it? Like, that's a really big thing. So what's um, the best way to go about doing that? So I think one, if you have that Instagram, that's a great way to send people there um, and just say anyone you meet, like, hey, if you're interested in food, like I do this really cool pop-up, you can follow us here, you can find out about it. That way you can also like link your ticket links to your Instagram bio. So it's an immediate kind of find a way to purchase tickets. Um, I do think, and I've had good luck with as much as I'm, I'm not really a Facebook fan in general, it depends on where you're located in the world. But I'll say like for in the Midwest, Facebook is still very much used. Um, And so a Facebook event page for what you're doing that has a good photo, a great menu, and the link to buy too is I think actually a good way to go because then people can share it and people that may not even be able to go 
but want their friends to know can invite people to it. So it can kind of, you know, have a snowball effect that could work really well. Um, I also think just submitting it, there's a lot of event lists that you can do depending on where you're at. Like, let's say, um, I'm just like, in, like Chicago is like my nearest biggest city. And I know they have like all these like local publications that have like event calendars or like what's happening around town. You can easily submit that as long as you have a link to where they can buy tickets, you have the date, the time, all the information you can submit that and they will auto populate that onto their stuff. So when people are looking for things, that's a really simple, easy way to do it. Um, and just word of mouth, just asking your people to you know share it. Like, Hey, if you know anyone that's into pop-up dining or wants to do a cool experience, you yeah. let them know about this. I think this is where, you know, having that network, if you're somebody who's been in the industry and, and going to people who have brands that are already established and saying, mm-hmm. Hey, use your following to say, Hey, in, in our space, we are going to be hosting this person Absolutely. on this time. And I think that's anyone will share that in an Instagram story, right? Like here's a repost from this pop-up that I've been wanting to go to go check them out. That's yeah. huge. So I I'm still um, holding off and telling you what my plan for a pop-up is. I'm going to save that. to the uh-huh. and, and I'm so excited to hear this. Yeah. I'm excited to share it. It's going to be stolen as soon as I share it. Though, I know. Uh, that's all right. The more the merrier. Uh, so do we talk about, uh, I think you might've mentioned it briefly, but the idea of being complimentary to the collab, who you're collaborating with. Um, I don't think we touched on it as much. I think it's like, it's one of those things like it, it can be very assumed, but yeah, I think picking collaborators that are complimentary so that there's something that each person comes out with it. Like there's a, each person has a little bit of skin in the game. So like, again, if you are a breakfast concept and you have a breakfast sandwich, you have a breakfast tacos. Well, what goes great with those coffee, right? So it's like you, your food's going to bring people into their coffee shop because it's something different that they don't normally have. So it's a win for them. Um, and then, you know, you're getting in front of people that you wouldn't get in front of because they're going to get coffee. So it's like, it's, that's why I love pop-ups. It can be such a targeted like surprise to go into your favorite coffee shop and then find out like, Oh my God, they're doing this really rad breakfast concept pop up here. Like, Oh, I'm starving. This is great. Yeah. You know? And like, it, that's your marketing right there. Yeah. What about volume of food on the first couple of pop-ups? How much food, how much realistically, how many people do you think we should be? Well, I, I, that's where I think the operate lean kind of comes in. It's like, I'm a fan of like making good conservative projections um, it's always hard. This is always hard for my, for my chefs that I worked with um, to be like, how much food should I bring to do something like this? It's easier if you have like something like cookies, right? So I've had cookies or if you have breakfast tacos where, you know, great, I'm going to make 500 tacos. I'm just going to bang those out. Um, I'd say to just operate lean because I'd also say I, you, it's always better to sell out than to kind of just waste product. It also creates, I think, the uh, the illusion of demand and like, wow, we did we did so well. Like, we sold out in two hours. Whoa, like wasn't wasn't expecting that. It's something you can share on your socials, where you're like, oh my god, like we it went crazy today. We are completely sold out. Um, I think that that tells people like what you're doing is good, and they want to get in on it. I also I like the idea of using ticketed events too because you can pre-sell. So, you know, and then you know, yeah, then you collect payment and you know exactly how many people are coming, exactly what you need to order. So you can cook to order, yep. you know, in the sense of like they've already ordered, you know, yep. um, and then maybe bring a couple extra because you always, you I, always I, want to pad just a little bit for people that always might walk pad. by or something, you know, right. but keep track of how much extra you're giving away. So the people who prepaid yeah. 
yeah. aren't going to get screwed. Well, and also there's a, that's actually another good, it reminds me of another good point too, is like, if you are doing a ticketed seated dinner, you know, save in your budget, like four spots for free people that yeah. maybe, you know, have a good following or, you know, someone that, you know, is going to like really be a promoter. Yeah, yeah. And say like, Hey, like, I'd love to have you come to my pop-up on me, check this out, share about it. It's a great marketing tool as well. Got it. Uh, so we're talking about marketing, getting on social, uh, setting up the Instagram. People can follow, update. Um, but, 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 but anything about the, that first day that we haven't talked about as far as best practices, um, things that you, people just don't consider they might need during a pop-up? Um, no, I would say the only thing I would say is like most chefs I know that are worth you know, their weight or people that are in the culinary world um, are pretty organized when it comes to their food, but it does just remind me of like mise en place, right? You got to have everything ready, all your stuff prepped, all your stuff in your canisters and your things, just be as prepared as possible because there's always things that are going to go wrong. There's, you want to have just backups on backups. Um, I feel like that's just a good way to, to prep. It's always, you know, I'd rather you have way too many things that first two to first one to three pop-ups that you don't actually need, but that you have just in case you need them from, I mean, I've had chefs bring back up, you know, burners when they've been in places, just so in case something happens, they have, they're prepared. I love it. And uh, what about scaling a pop-up? You know, like, I think that's kind of a weird concept. Like how do you scale something that's meant to be the first step? But what, what does that look like to you? How does scaling a pop-up look? Is it just maybe correcting for more volume as you get more popular? I would think so. I think it depends. Again, if you're doing like a fast casual pop-up where you're making breakfast sandwiches or tacos or cookies versus like a seated dinner. Um, I think scaling that would look like, Hey, uh, you know, we did really good these past, we've done 10 pop-ups. Now we are selling out our seating that we do every time at 7 PM for 24 people. What if we add a second seating? What does that look like? Yeah. That doubles our capacity it doubles our costs, it doubles our sales. Um, so that's an easy way to scale is just an add an additional seating or an additional. And also too, if you are, let's say you're going every Saturday to pop up at this coffee shop and it's going really well, you seem to be selling out. Why not add Sunday as well? If the, if the location will let you do it and it's going that well, it's working for them, it's working for you. How do we go even another day? How do we add a day and see what that does to everything? So scaling looks like doing it more where you're having success. Yep. Right. That's what I would say. Yeah. And when do you like, what are good numbers to let us know we're doing good? Like what, what are some benchmarks we can reflect Mm -hmm. at? That's tough. Um, I mean, obviously that you're coming out, you know, in the green, (laughs) not in the red in terms of, you know, money is when you're, you know, reconciling everything. Um, but beyond that, I would say like, are, you know, are you building a following? Are you, is your, are your Instagram numbers going up? Is your email list going up? Are you hearing amazing feedback when people are right there and saying like, Hey, we came here two weeks ago. We've been treating yeah. about are it. Are you recognizing f- familiar faces? Are you getting yeah. repeat? Giving repeat customers? Yeah. That's, that's um, that to me is kind of like you, obviously you want to be profitable, but those things are, are key indicators that you're, it's more than that. And, you know, that's when you kind of, and I think that's kind of a good kind of thing to think about. It's like, how do you know when your pop-up, you kind of like outgrown your pop-up and like, you need to have a brick and mortar. Um, and I think like those things where you're just getting 
incredible praise and feedback from people. People are asking to book you for private events. Yeah. They're asking if they can, if you can cater their business lunch or, you know, come to their office and do this. Um, you know, I think those are all key indicators. When I think of scaling for a pop-up, my, my mind goes to digital scaling because again, we're using the pop-up to test a concept and to build our brand. And I think people forget that, you can build a brand today for like next to nothing for like literally yeah. maybe for like for $500 and that's a good budget to build a brand by today's means. You yeah. can get a really good looking logo, color, website, all these things. And I like, so you're saying, got it. How do you like, it's almost like brand scaling instead yeah. of like digital scale. Yeah, for sure. I think that that's worth investing and maybe that's your second step, right? So like if you're getting all this amazing feedback, you're adding additional days and those are still going gangbusters, then yeah, I, I would always reinvest in your business first. It's very tempting to be like, oh, just start you know hoarding some money. But I think if you're doing that well and it's it, you're happy and you want to keep going and you really want to invest in it, put that money back into, that's where I'd say, build a website. Um, give people a home where they can find you. Start adding additional services. Like, hey, we'll take this show on the road for you. Do you want us to come... And also, I think what people in the culinary world forget, there are so many brands out there that want cool concepts that they can shoot for something or have their employees experience. Um, There is there's so much opportunity there to get bought out to do something to be a part of an event to be a part of there's there's a ton of opportunity that I think a lot of people don't naturally think about. Um, so I'd say, yeah, if you have a brand that you want to work with, I have a lot of chefs, they've gone to work with like, let's say Haley, uh, Headley and Bennett or Tillet Aprons, right? They've like built brand partnerships with them. That's another way to scale what you're doing. Yeah. I love that. What about the, when you are ready for a website, what do you think should be on that website for a pop-up or the most key elements? Like what pages do you see at that website? Yeah. Um, I think you have to have, I think I'm always like, again, it's your business card. Your website is your business card and it tells people who you are and it has to do it in under like 30 seconds. So I'm a very big fan of, of coming in hot with visual content <laughs> in terms of um, whether that's a video or a really strong, emotive, your moody why. picture. Yeah. Like you've got to grab people pretty quickly. And then beyond that, I think, again, it's keep it simple to start and I think that if you have like a, I think a bio is really important. Why are you doing this pop-up? Why, who are you? And yeah. why should I, who am I, what's your story? Like, your yeah, what's story? your story? And people buy into story and I, and I, they will never stop buying into story because that's how you connect with people. I think this is where you share your vision too, because just because you don't have your brick and mortar, yeah. this is where this whole, this show your work. Where yeah. does that, where does all that live? You showing your work? Well, yes, on Instagram, but also on your web, on your website where you're like saying, Hey, we, you know, Dominicsburritos.com. We're making these burritos, these breakfast burritos, and where our vision is to to do this and to scale. And this this is why we're doing it. Just pulling the yeah. str- the, the strings of heart, the the, the hearts, yeah. the strings of hearts. Is that how it goes? Heart strings, heart, heart strings. strings. Pull on the strings of the hearts of the people who yeah. are, are eating your food. Share your story. Yeah. Have your menu there. Maybe where like I mean, it, it's the point I'm trying to get to is keep it simple, stupid. To what you were saying before, yeah. it doesn't have to be this beautiful, great website it's it's yeah, it but be a landing page really attached and invested when you tell them your why you know um a great story that i have is 
uh, one of the chefs that I had, on, I had onboarded at Feastly to do pop-ups with us was, was a brand new chef and she got into vegan cooking or plant-based cooking. And she was very adamant it's plant-based because I, I think that's a good clarification to make because her, um, her father got so ill that she started cooking for him um, to make him better. And it started, so she started a, a beautiful concept called Toto Verde, which is all green. It's a Mexican concept um, that's lady owned. And she, it was all started because of her passion to help her father heal from, you know, being sick. And then it just spiraled into that's now her whole brand. She now makes bottled sauces. She does, you know, all this stuff. Yeah. I love it. Anything we have not discussed up to this point that you want to drop on us before I share what my idea for a pop-up would be. <laughs> before I think the anticipation is just killing me. Um, no, I would say just, you know, I would encourage if people want to do it, just do it. Like what's amazing is like, you don't have to, the, the rules have changed so much. You don't have to do a pop-up seven days a week. That's what pop-ups are beautiful. If you're like, you know what? I want to do this pop-up. It's only going to be Thursday nights every week. You can do that in this world right now. Yeah. And you can say, I'm only going to do it Thursday nights. I'm only going to do it at this spot. And that's it. And so you really get to call the shots in a way that maybe you can't anywhere else in terms of having a brick and mortar or needing a full-time job or whatever it is. You can really create your own best life in terms of, you know, having a culinary focus and also like having life balance. Yeah. And I think like that's, you can, you can build it whichever way you desire. It's which the best is- way to swing into restaurant ownership, in my opinion, especially right yeah. now but with reduced hours of all these restaurants, they have reduced hours. The places are closing at eight o'clock PM, yeah. you know, like hit that Crazy. late night crowd, you know, like after they close yeah. at 8 PM, go in and like, you could have a restaurant from like eight to 10 where it's just like one course. And then you go to eight to midnight or depending on like the town ordinance, I guess. But yeah. the idea is just to get creative, um, collaborate, um, and work that network. So my idea for a pop-up. <laughs> uh, and everybody knows my, my thing of, if I, I've mentioned it a few times, my dream concept is like a high, like a high quality calzone concept where we just do calzones better than anybody else would probably be no more than five options on the menu, Yep, <clears throat> like your staples and like a rotating one just to keep it fun and keep it fresh, uh, or like a weekly calzone or something like that. But my yeah. idea to start that would be to literally start with just dough and maybe one type of calzone that I'm creating that's going to be like like a basic like super basic simple like that you like a cheesesteak calzone or like a chicken finger calzone but then yeah. do a collaboration with the restaurant that I'm popping up at where I put something from their menu in my calzone yeah that's amazing wouldn't that and be so easy, much fun but it's also easy and it's fun right exactly you could do that you could do you could do collaborations with chefs anywhere I mean, I feel like it would be such an easy pop-up. All you really need to do is have an oven, a mobile oven and the dough ready. And if, if you're putting anything into that, <clears throat> then, you know, whatever you need to bring to put into it, but you can even prep that in advance too, and just close the calzone and put it in the oven to order. But I think the fun thing about that idea would be that you're, it's, it's not about you. It's also about the, the restaurant you're collaborating with, you're popping up with, like what's, what, what's your staple? you know, and how good would that be in a calzone? Like you could collaborate yeah. with like a Chinese. And just, yeah, to me, there's so much you can do with bread and cheese. Like there's like the, the it's, it's the sky is the limit and there's, it's, it's delicious no matter kind of what you do. What would you, what's, what's your advice if I wanted to do that? That That's what's your, what's your advice for me? What's your, what's your critical advice or critique for that? type? Of um, first thing I'd say, like, what are we naming it? That'd be my first question. Like, what's the name of this? And I could see a very cool, 
like cheeky name, I think would work really great for this. Like, I don't know what that is yet, but I definitely think there's like, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I could really, I could really go deep on this and do like the whole, I would design the whole thing, but that's just where my brain goes. But I'd say, yeah, I, I, I would tell you to keep it simple. Great. Pick five. What are your five most crazy calzone concoctions that you want to make? And I also think I like to, I like to kind of break people's mind open with, you know, calzones are traditionally Italian. They're generally, you see this in them. You always see this. Well, what is like a Japanese calzone look like? Exactly. It's not far off from like the, the toast idea where you're just yeah. using a vehicle to move food. Yeah. And like, that's why tacos are always great. And you can, I think when you can combine different flavors, uh, when you can, again, it's, I hate to call it, um, what do they call it? Like when you mash up flavors Fusion? and there's always this word that I was Fusion? like, oh, don't use that. Fusion? Yes. Hate the word fusion, but, um, but it's, it's more of just like, it's like, how can you put a, a twist? And I think there's been so many chefs that have done, you know, chefs are always tasting things or playing with acidic ingredients and they're playing with this, and they're playing that and their, their brains, I feel like just come up with these things of like, Ooh, you know, if you did this with this, with this, put it in a cow zone, you can just be like, Poof. Um, I think I personally think it would be so much fun. It, there's like literally the sky's the limit with that. So why aren't why aren't you doing it? Because are you of bandwidth. Good- <laughs> <laughs> because I know that if I I my ADD like it's it's, it's taking all my effort I have just to stay focused yeah. on doing one thing really well, which is. You know, but you know what you could do, and here's the fun idea: you could take it as a restaurant unstoppable on the road. You do a one day pop up, and you, you don't think I thought food. about getting an RV and attaching a, a sto- like a pizza oven to the back of that thing and just driving across the country. <laughs> Trust me. No, it's just on- do it once. Just say, so- hey, I've had this dream. It doesn't have to be like, now this is my new thing. It's a one night thing. <laughs> if anybody's listening to this and they're in the Northeast or they're willing to move to the Northeast, the Northeast, and they want to start a pop-up concept with me, reach out Eric at restaurant unstoppable.com. I bet That's you you're going to, someone's going to reach out and be like, Hey, let's do it. Let's do it at my restaurant. I, I, I can't I do it calzones. Let's do it. Yeah. I would love to make it happen. So uh, this has been a lot of fun, Kelly. Thank you so <laughs> much. Uh, if, if we are listening to this, uh, we're thinking to ourselves, man, I need more information about pop-ups. I want to reach out to Kelly. I want to work with Kelly. What's the best way to connect with you? Um, you can always reach out to me uh, very quick and quick and easy on uh, at Fems and food on Instagram. You can DM me there. You can always find me there. Uh, also at Kelly J Valentine on Instagram. It's my personal one. So either way, I have a lot of people reach out to me that find me um, through that. So I'm happy to have a conversation with anyone in that realm. And I did want to leave a few minutes to talk about what Fems and Food is uh, to sure. kind of spread the word about what you're doing there. So go ahead and tell us more about that. Yeah, sure. So uh, Fems and Food was a community I started back in 2019, you know, before the world completely changed. Um, and the, the goal was to promote and connect um, ladies in the culinary space, um, from lady farmers to lady chefs to lady restaurant owners to uh, ladies in food PR. Um, any Consumer of those people just goods. Really I know pass- something you're really interested in too, right? Say that again. Consumer product goods. Yeah. So I expanded it to consumer product goods, CPG arena, because I came across so many chefs um, like Jocelyn Ramirez um, and Toto Verde that I mentioned who started, you know, bottling her own salsas. And I find a lot of chefs are having interest in that. And it's a, the wild, wild west when they get into it. Um, so, yeah, it's just a community where we um, I was doing events in person events where we'd always do a lady owned restaurant. We'd bring in lady owned spirits. We you know network and connect. Um, and then now I'm also doing a lot of curation. So a lot of people reach out to me. A lot of brands reach out to me and say, hey, you know, we love what you're doing about championing female uh, lady owned food and beverage brands. 
we want to do a dinner where all the spirits are lady owned and all of the snack brands that are in our gift bags are lady owned. So I will do a lot of curation on those items as well. Beautiful. And um, where do we go to learn more about that or to collaborate with you on that? Um, again, the Instagram at Fems and Food. And then also I do have a website, which is just femsandfood.com. Uh, so you can find me there. Um, probably go her back a little bit sooner if you go to Instagram and DM me. And who is one femme in food that you think I need to make an example of a restaurateur, a lady restaurateur who's doing it right, who's just having great success? You already called out Steph Sellers. We already got her on the show. But yeah, we did. We did. Um, I would say go nationwide. Uh, what did you say? I said go nationwide. Anybody that comes. to mind. Uh, Yeah. So I'm currently in Iowa, but I split time um, between LA. And so I have a lot of LA contacts. And so I would say, you know, someone that I think um, I just worked with again recently, um, so hard to name just one. So name multiple. Don't. Okay. So I just think there's some really fantastic women doing pop-ups and stuff um, in LA right now. And I would say um, Kat Turner, she has, she's actually does pop-ups on the side, but she's a chef owner of highly likely cafe in West Adams in LA She's fantastic. Uh, food will blow your mind. Um, she's also part of this community of, of pop-up queens is what I call them right now. Um, Rebecca King, who has the bad Jew. She's amazing. She's a, a Jewish gal who makes pork. <laughs> so she's the bad Jew. And she smokes a very mean pork ribeye, uh, beef ribeye, sorry, um, that I've had recently that was divine. Um, there's also Lubakota is a pizza pop-up concept. So when you talk about getting that oven and going on the road, that's what she does. And it's amazing. Uh, Lupacota, L-U-P-A-C-O-T-T-A. Um, those, those three gals, I'm always watching what they're doing. And if they told me to go to any other pop-ups, I'd be there in a heartbeat. So that's Steph, Rebecca, and Lupa? Um, nope. It was Kat Turner. Oh, oh. Stephanie. Sorry. Stephanie. Oh, that's right. Previously, yeah. that's right. Kat so Turner. Kat Turner, Rebecca, and Lupa. Rebecca King, who's the bad Jew. And then uh, Lupa Kota, which is L-U-P-A-C-O-T-T-A. I'm blanking on... Um, <laughs> Look out, ladies. I'm coming after you. I'd love to get you on the show. <laughs> and uh, I guess that's it for today. All I have to say is, Kelly, thank you so much. There is no questioning. You are unstoppable. <laughs> thank you. Cheers. There's another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Special thanks to our guest today, Kelly Valentine. And I really love this new approach we're taking of really letting our interviews with these successful restaurateurs dictate who we're talking to. Uh, Very journalistic, very just organic and I'm enjoying it and I hope you guys are too and uh, if you want to join us live for these interviews these workshops these lectures and here's what you do you join restaurant unstoppable network because next week in the network on the 23rd of June we have Matt Rolf joining us Matt is the author of you can't do it alone and in this book he talks about how you grow your business and how that all depends on people and how the success of your people really depends on you and um, we're also going to be focusing it sounds like based off of our conversation today uh, vulnerability based leadership so if that sounds like something you'd like to learn about or maybe you think your managers and your partners would like to learn about this, then come all hang out with us live at, I believe 
It's going to be 9.30 a.m. Eastern on next Thursday, June 23rd. So uh, if you guys enjoyed today's episode, you want more shows like this, more content like this, we need your support. You can support this podcast by supporting our sponsors, using our affiliate links, sharing this podcast with everybody in the industry, and joining Restaurant Unstoppable Network. And uh, just special thanks to our guest today, Kelly Valentine. I love the idea of pop-ups. I think this is the best place to start if you want to open a restaurant. It's the least amount of risk you can take, and it's a great way to network and to build a following, to share your story. And you don't need a brick and mortar. I think for some reason, people think they need the brick and mortar to start their business. No, start where you can. And pop-ups are in such reach for most people that it's just a no-brainer. So this was a great conversation today. Um, just can't say thank you enough to our guests. Also, thank you to SavinSam.com for helping me on the road capture this content. And I can't forget my right-hand man, Jared, over at Sumadre Podcast. If you guys want to start your own podcast and you're looking for an editor, Jared does a great job. All right, that's it for today. Until next time, peace out.